Right on radio. Right on radio. Good morning, Right on Radio. How you doing? This is Eric, and it's been a long time since I did a sermon. Um, I've been a little bit out of the loop. As you can see, my background a little bit different. I moved no longer in Southern California. I am now in the South, and um, this is cutting it close. I'm sure just a little nervous. It's Saturday morning, and this is supposed to play tonight, and um, I came down with a cold earlier this week, and so I was a little bit out of it. But so I'm recording this now at sunrise. Hopefully, get this done before the neighbors wake up and start mowing their lawns. But we'll see how it goes. So, thank you for uh, joining us. Our Saturday sermon on Right on Radio. I want to remind you that immediately following this on the hour, we will be doing our Singapore in Telegram. So please go to the main chat channel in Telegram and for Right on Radio and uh, join us for the Singapore. It's an incredible time of worship and pray and uh, prayer warrior and um, spiritual warfare, it's a great time. Uh, you will be blessed. So please join us uh, right after this. So, uh, how are you guys doing? I am going to uh, be doing a word study today. Um, not just in the word, but a particular word. And um, you ever notice people in your life that, are, that you describe as very loving? Um, and, and not just to their loved ones, but someone who's full of love. And you, you can tell those people are, um, they must spend a lot of time with God because they're so loving like He is. And indeed, God is love. So if you spend a lot of time with God who is love, you should become more loving yourself. So this is another one of those traits of God. And um, I wanted to go into it. But I wanted to kind of give you the backstory to this. So, you know, Moses comes, he you know, does all the things with the plague with, 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 with Pharaoh and the Red Sea. So he brings the people of Mount Sinai and going up and the, all, the, all the miracles that God performed to free them from slavery. And Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And he gets more than the Ten Commandments. He's getting a bunch of other things, laws and things about the tabernacle and worship and all this stuff. And so in, uh, in Exodus 32... But that's, what's, that's where we're at. So Moses is up at Mount Sinai hanging out with God. Joshua is kind of up there-ish with him near the mountain. And Aaron's down with all the people. And then this is what happens. So now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Now, one thing I love about the Old Testament and David's life is just this: there's just a realness there. Um, the the reality of our human frailty is on display for all to see, and none of us are uh, exempt from it. But you know, God does all this stuff. Moses goes up on the mountain and says, "I'm gonna go up, spend time with God, and come down and you know tell him we tell you what he said." and you know, after a while, I don't know how long it took, but they're like, hey, we don't know what happened to him. We need a God. So, hey, Aaron, make us God. So Aaron said to them, tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the gold earrings from the wives and the sons and the daughters, and bring them to me. Not the men. It's the wives, sons, and daughters. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. 
he took this from their hand and fashioned Aaron fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered birth offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Go down at once, and get this, for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. So it's kind of, God's kind of like saying, hey, uh, Moses, your people, not my people that I brought, your people you brought, it's kind of interesting. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make you a great nation. God was going to smite them all and just make Moses the great nation. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God, and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, and all this land in which I have, land of which I have spoken I will give to your descendants, and they will, shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets which were written on both sides. They were written on one side and the other. The tablets were God's work. The writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. Now when Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a sound of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of the cry of triumph, nor is it the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. It came about, as soon as Moses came near the camp, that he saw a calf in the dancing, and Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets from his hand and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire. That's where that phrase comes from. And ground it to powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and made the sons of Israel drink it. <laughs> then Moses said to Aaron... What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? So he turns to Aaron and says, hey, what, you were in charge. And listen, you ever do this? You get your hand caught in the cookie jar and you make up something. You know, well, it wasn't my fault. Kind of like, you know, when, when God said, Adam, have you sinned? And he says, well, the woman you gave me gave me the fruit, right? So this is what Aaron says. Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself. They are prone to evil. For they said to me, Make a God for us who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them tear it off. So they gave it to me. And I threw it into the fire. And out came this calf. Not he graved, he used tools to make it. He said, I just threw the gold in the fire and here comes a calf. Kind of like saying, it's not my fault, right? I didn't make it. It came out by itself. Ah, isn't, it, isn't this people though? Isn't this what we do? Now when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies, 
Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp, and he said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh, and go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp, and kill every man his brother, and every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about three thousand men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Dedicate yourselves today to the Lord, for every man has been against his son and against his brother, in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. On the next day, Moses said to all the people, You yourselves have committed a great sin, and now I am going up to the Lord, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has committed a great sin, and they made a god of gold for themselves. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book which you have written. Then the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. But go now, lead this people where I told you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day I will punish, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf in which Aaron had made. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you brought out from the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on your way. So God says, I am not going to go with you, because if I do, I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now therefore put off your ornaments from you, that I may know what I shall do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. So they stopped wearing their jewelry. Now we already know that the wives and the children had their earrings taken away when the calf, right, which eventually got burned with fire, ground to powder, and they had to all drink it before 3,000 of them got slaughtered by the Levites. So Moses' anger burned a little bit too, right? And so now God says, all of you, you know, the men didn't give up their ornaments, but now they had to. So God kind of knew that needed to happen. And from then on till Mount Horeb, they didn't wear their jewelry anymore. And now Moses used to take, used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out of the tent of meeting which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would rise and stand, each at the entrance of his own tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his own tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, 
my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us that so that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? Then the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Mm. He wanted to see even more. He probably seen more than anybody else ever had. He says, show me your glory. <clears throat> and he said, I myself will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show you compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand up there on the rock and will come about while I, my glory is passing by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by and then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back. But you shall, but my face shall not be seen. And the word face there is the same word that says Moses spoke in the Ten of Meaning face to face. Hmm. I'm kind of wondering if that might be. Uh, perhaps there's God the Father whose face Moses was not allowed to see. But perhaps the incarnate word of God, he could. I don't know, it's interesting. He talks to him face to face as to a friend, but then he says, you can't see my face and live. And for those who believe that there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, that kind of makes sense. So, Moses goes up the mountain next morning, takes two stone tablets with him, and God's going to start over with the Ten Commandments. And so he cut out two stone tablets like the former ones, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he took two stone tablets in his hand. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. So there is God describing himself. Himself describing himself. And there's a word there that's mentioned twice. And I'm reading from the NASB. And the word is loving kindness. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for thousands. So that word loving kindness is what I wanted to focus on today. And I want to read to you uh, what it means. The, the Hebrew word is chesed. And it is often um, translated as mercy, goodness, favor sometimes. Uh, it is a masculine noun indicating kindness, loving kindness, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, love, acts of kindness. 
This aspect of God is one of several important features of his character. Truth, faithfulness, mercy, steadfastness, justice, righteousness, and goodness. So the word has said, it's in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, 247 times. That's an important characteristic of God because when he described himself, he used that word twice in his own description of himself. And it is in a lot of verses. And it is, um, now obviously I don't have time to go over 241 verses with the 247 occurrences of the word. So I've just picked and choose, chose some few. Um, but I wanted to read that to you because that kind of gives the context of when Moses said, show me your glory, that was the backstory to all of it. And when he asked God to show him his glory, and he did, Chesed is one of the most, is an important part of God's character because he mentioned it twice in describing himself. And it's something that's important. And both in the characteristic of God, because we need to know that he is a God of loving kindness, and to know that he also requires that of us. Just as he is love, and therefore we're supposed to be in a relationship with him, and we are to be more loving because of it. I mean, look at how many times Jesus said, love your, you know, the greatest command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You will, By this all men will know that you're disciples, that you have love for one another. You know, love your, love your neighbor, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Love is an important thing. And also is hesed, or loving kindness, or mercy. So I'm just going to go, um, most of these are going to be Psalms. Because um, David, uh, King David, his life and his experience of God's loving kindness, in both receiving it and then giving it, and it's just a lot of good, a lot of good content there. So I would encourage you, if you want to do a word search for that word, um, in, in Hebrew it's... Um, in the Strong's Concordance, it's um, 2617 um, in, in the in Strong's number. If you need to do a word study on it, um, that's how you can look it up. But there, it's really good to do a word study on that. I'm just going to focus on a few here. So this is Psalm um, 25. This is Psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait... For you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are God of my salvation. For I wait all the day. For you I wait all the day. Remember, or remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness. Your said, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness your has said remember me for your goodness sake O lord good and upright is the lord therefore he instructs sinners in the way he leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way all the paths of the lord are loving kindness has said and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies for your namesake O lord pardon my iniquity for it is great who is the man who fears the lord he will instruct him in the way he should choose his soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them known his covenant. 
My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with a violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Another Psalm of David that you probably are really familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and chesed, loving kindness, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In David's life, there was a time in his life where Saul was pursuing him um, and wanted to kill him. So David was on the run. So this is Psalm uh, 57. For the choir director said to Al-Tasheth, the miktam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. So he's hiding in a cave from Saul. Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge in you. and In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God Most High, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me, Salah. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. My soul is among the lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations for your loving kindness. Your hesed is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. You can see David uses that word a lot. Um, times when he's needing forgiveness, times when he's needing save, and times that he's praising it's because of his loving kindness. David experienced the loving kindness of God. Um, and I'm sure we all could say we have too. There's another time in David's life when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Another time of, um, of, um, of strife and uh, uh, danger in his life. And he wrote this psalm, the psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now, have you seen The Chosen? If you have, remember that scene where they're first setting up camp to go with Jesus, I think, the first time? And they're start, the disciples are asking, hey, uh, what are you doing? Who are you? Where are you from? You know, and... And I think, I believe it was Nathaniel. He said, oh, I was 
going to, I was on my way to Jerusalem to join the choir. He goes, oh, really? You were going to sing at the temple choir? And he actually sings a song. He's like, okay, I was wrong. You can sing. Does this sound familiar? Oh, God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness, your chesed, is better than life. My lips will praise you. Do we believe that God's loving kindness is better than life? David did. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth will offer praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. There's a song based on this one. Start with verse 10 real quick. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit or a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. There's a song written on that, right? You create in me a clean heart, O God. That song, right? That's from Psalm 51. Guess what Psalm 51 is? You ever done something really bad in your life? For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Quick recap. What is that talking about? Well, David was king. God had given him the kingdom. He got all of Saul's wives and concubines, plus David's wives and concubines. David had tons of women in his life. And it's wartime. Uriah, a Hittite, was a, you know, a, a soldier in his army. He was out at war. David goes on the balcony at night and he sees Bathsheba bathing. Um, and he's like, hey, who's that? Now it's kind of curious, why was she bathing in view of the king's balcony? Perhaps a little bit of a, hmm, hey, you know. But either way, um, they come together, she brings him to David and they, David takes her and um, sleeps with her. And she becomes pregnant. Now we know that, you know, David's not supposed to be sleeping with another man's wife. And she's not supposed to be sleeping with another man's husband. Or, you know, another, another woman's husband. Someone's not her own, right? So there's adultery. So she gets pregnant. Oops, now he's going to get caught. So David decides, I know. He calls Uriah to come back from the war calls him back to Jerusalem and he says, hey, you know, thanks for doing a good job in the war. Go home and, you know, enjoy, enjoy your home, enjoy your wife. But Uriah is a man of honor and he decides that he's not going to enjoy the comfort of his marriage bed while his men are sleeping in tents in the, in the battle. So he refuses to go sleep with his wife. So David brings him back. <clears throat> he says, hey, did you, how's it go? You and your wife have a good time? No, no, but I'm not going to sleep with my wife and my men can't sleep with theirs. So then 
David gives him, brings him back at night, has him over for dinner, fattens him up, gives him lots of wine, says go home, you know, and he's hoping that in his drunken stupor he might be a little more prone to sleep with his wife, and he doesn't. So now David's got a problem. Uriah refused to sleep with his wife. So if she's found out to be pregnant and he didn't sleep with her, now she's going to be guilty of adultery. And, you know, the law, Mosaic law, could be stoned for that. And if they find out that it was David, then he could be too. So he sends Uriah to the front lines and he gives Abner, I believe it was Abner, his, uh, one of his commanders, generals, whatever. He says, uh, put him somewhere dangerous, up by the walls, and then have everybody withdraw but him. And it happened. So he died in battle, but David set it up. And then David's like, hey, too bad. Hey, you want to get married? So he marries her. And, um, you know, she's, probably, she's pregnant after that. No one thinks anything because, hey, they just got married, you know. That's what happens. And so David dodged a bullet, right? But then Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him. And he says, so there's this guy, there's a rich guy who had flocks of sheep. And just one guy, poor guy, he only had one sheep. And the rich man came and said, hey, let's have some sheep. And he says, but he demanded that he, he wanted to take his sheep, not one of his own. And so um, the man murdered him and took his one sheep for his own. And David said, as surely as I live, this man must die. And then Nathan says, the man is you. And David went, mm. He's like, why did you kill Uriah the Hittite and take his wife and blah, 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 blah. Um, and one of the consequences, God says, Nathan says, the child will not live. And, um, and because you have done this, the sword will never leave your house. And if you study David's life, you know, it didn't. Um, he had some drama in his family that he caused through this. But it's interesting at the same time, I would think God would say, hey, you know what? You don't get to have her as your wife because, dude, you killed a guy for her. No, he allowed them to stay married. And not only that, her next child was Solomon, who became David's heir, who is the Solomon who built the temple, who God gifted more wisdom than any man that's ever lived before or since. Um, so there's grace in the middle of it um, that God allowed them to stay married. That child didn't live, but the next child became Solomon. And that's who, and then he's the lineage of Jesus is through Solomon. So, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, but, so, that's life, isn't it? We get caught, we do stupid things, you know. Moses confronts Aaron, he says, oh, I don't know, I threw some gold in the fire, and out came a calf. And so, they, they worshipped it. I didn't make it. You know, when I said earlier, he's crafting it with the tools, right? Um... Adam, Adam eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God confronts him. He says, well, the woman you gave me, right? You know, um, it, it's, just, it's just reality. We do stupid things, and we do stupid things to try to get out of the consequences of the stupid things we do. But God's not mocked. And sometimes we face consequences, but even in the consequences, there's grace. You know, God could have took David out over this. He could have said, sorry, dude, you're gone. Nathan could have come there with a sword to whop off his head. Just like Samuel did, right? Um, to some of the... Man, that goes back to Saul. Sorry, that would be a squirrel thing. So, here is David's response to that. Right? He just got busted hardcore. Be gracious to me, O God. 
according to your loving kindness, your said. Good time to bring that up, right? God, don't forget about your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from the iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blame this woman you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make known, make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners, sinners, sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices and burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. I think loving kindness is kind of important, huh? God uses it when he describes himself twice. When he proclaims his name. Probably the greatest revelation of who he is up to that point in time. Uh, David uses it when he's crying out for forgiveness of sin. Um, it makes him want to praise God. When he's in danger, he calls out to God for his loving kindness. Uh, I'm going to read another psalm, and then we're going to close with one more, one more verse from uh, one of the prophets. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule by day and the moon and the stars to rule by night. To him, giving thanks, to him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn. And brought Israel out from their midst with a strong hand and an outstretched arm to give thanks to him who divided the Red Sea asunder and made Israel pass through the midst of it. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea to him who led his people through the wilderness to him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites and Og, king of Bashan and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel, his servant who remembered us in our low estate and had rescued us from our adversaries. Now, for the time that this was written, right? What a... You know, if you ever need to remember why you need to 
you know, give thanks to the Lord, that clearly spells it out. Because he's the Lord, he's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He does great wonders. He made the heavens and the earth. He did creation. He took us out of Egypt, slew the Egyptians and gave us land and overthrew kings and gave us the promised land. He kept his promise. There's 26 verses in that psalm. And it's Psalm 136. But I left out a phrase from each of those verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Every one of those verses has that phrase at the end, for His loving kindness is everlasting. But, here's how it is in the Hebrew. It says, Ki, which means because. Olam, and then Chesed. Chesed is loving kindness. Now, Olam means this. This is great. It's a masculine noun meaning a very long time. The word usually refers to looking forward, but many times expresses the idea of looking backwards. Now, that gets translated as, um, as for, for his loving kindness is everlasting, but in the Hebrew it's ki olam chesed. And olam means always has been, always will be. Because he always has been, he always will be chesed. His loving kindness is everlasting. So give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. I think in the King James that uses mercy there. Give thanks to the God of gods for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, ki olam chesed. To him alone who does great wonders, ki olam chesed. To him who made the heavens with skill, ki olam chesed. Read Psalm 136 sometime. And then, could you add some verses to that? What do you think about your life? Just like going back to who God is and the fact that he made creation and he, he kept his promise to Abraham and t took him out of Egypt and wiped out Pharaoh, freed his people, took him through the wilderness. Now, keep in mind, the wilderness included those things we talked about at the beginning of this teaching. Um, the wilderness was just not all, you know, good, good and cheery times. There was a lot of obstinance. There was a lot of rebellion. There was a lot of stupidity on the part of the people. And, man, there were times where Moses was like, that's it, God, kill him, I'm done with him. And God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there were times God was going to say, I'm done with these people, I'm going to smite them. And Moses gets in the way and says, whoa, 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 God, don't, no, 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 don't forget your promise. And God changed his mind. So, good thing they both never had that at the same time. You know, good thing God didn't say, you know what, Moses, I'm done with these people. And Moses said, you know what, I am too, wipe them out, let's start over. I mean, good thing that never happened. It could have. That every time, you know, they, were, they, they, they balanced each other out. And man, what a great relationship. But all those things that God has done, his, has said, his loving kindness is everlasting. You know, if you've been walking with God for much of your life, or even if you're brand new in your relationship with God, some, even when I look back on my life, shh, come on. Sorry, my dog's whining. Um, um, when I look back on my life, the times in my life where I wasn't really walking close with God, you know, I, I, I was born 
raised in church, so I knew of the Bible and knew of God my whole life. But there were times in my life where I wasn't walking with Him. And even then I could look back and say, you know what, His loving kindness is everlasting. There were times He was good to me when I didn't even ask Him to be good to me. And He was protecting me even when I wasn't even asking Him to protect me. And when I didn't even deserve it. Uh, times He saved my life literally and metaphorically. And, you know, look back on your life. Uh, how many things could you say, look what God did. His loving kindness is everlasting. Ki halam said. I think we could all add some verses to that. And I think it's good, you know, for an Israeli to read that psalm. You know, it's a good reminder going all the way back to the beginning, to creation, of how God has been, always has been, always will be, has said. His loving kindness, His mercy, it's steadfast, it never changes, He never stops. And that's true in our lives as well, is it not? So take some time and reflect on that. Think of some of those we don't notice until years later, we look back with hindsight and we go, Ah, wow, He really was taking care of me, even though I didn't even see it at the time. And I know I'm getting close to because I just got the notice that my file size is almost getting too big. So, the last verse I'm going to go over, uh, it's the last time we find the word has said in the Old Testament. And it's in the book of Zechariah, in chapter 7 and 8. And now this is the second to last verse of the Old Testament. This is right before there's a 400 year dry spell where there was no prophetic word from God. He said, and 400 years later, after the silence, Jesus came. The Messiah came. So, this is near the end of that time where God stopped sending his word. His prophetic word. He took a break. So, just like they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, for 400 years they were in Israel, but they weren't hearing from God. So, Zechariah... Chapter 7, verse 1. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Shizlev. Now the town of Bethel, which means the house of God, had sent Sherazar and Regemelech and their men to seek the favor of the Lord, speaking to the priest who belonged to the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophet, saying, Shall I weep in the fifth month and abstain, as I have done these many years? Right? So they're... They were going to, hey, you know, should we, should, should, when we fast, should we abstain? You know, they're asking for, like, what, what should we be doing here? And here's the word of the Lord that came to Zechariah. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these seventy years, was it actually for me that you fasted? You know, seventy years since the exile. When you eat and drink, do you not eat for yourselves and do you not drink for yourselves? So God's saying, hey, are you really doing this for me? Are these not the words which the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous along with its cities around it in the Negev and in the foothills were inhabited? Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, thus the Lord of hosts had said, 
dispense true justice and practice kindness has said and compassion each to his brother and do not oppress the widow or the orphan the stranger or the poor and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another remember David said in that psalm we went over you know God doesn't want sacrifice he wants a, a, a contrite heart this is God saying, dispense true justice and practice loving kindness and compassion each to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Do we ever do that? You know, devise evil in our hearts against one another? Do groups of people ever do that? Do nations ever do that? Is any of that going on in the world right now? Are there any, are there being any plans of evil being devised in people's hearts against others? Whew. Doesn't get God's uh, favor and blessing when, when that's happening. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts like flint so they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. And just as he called and they would not listen, so when they called and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a storm, with a storm wind among all the nations whom they had not known. Thus the land is desolated behind them, so that no one went back and forth, for they made the pleasant land desolate. The pleasant land made desolate because they made their hearts like flint. They would not listen to the Lord of hosts or the law or his word he spent through, through his spirit, through the prophets. He scattered them because they weren't dispensing true justice and they weren't practicing loving kindness and compassion to each other. They were oppressing the widows and the orphans the strangers and the poor. They were devising evil in their hearts against one another. So God said, you're out of here. That's why they were exiled in the first place. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Zion. Yes, with great wrath I am jealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord of hosts will be called my holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women will again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each man with his staff in his hand because of age. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, If it is too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, will it also be too, too difficult in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. So it's interesting here that God's talking about the remnant. And even though God smote them and kicked them out, his loving kindness endures forever. It's everlasting. He still was going to bring them back again and restore what he took away from them because of their folly. And even though it seems impossible to the remnant, it's not too difficult for him. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I will bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong, you who are listening in these days, to these words from the mouth of the prophets, those who spoke in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, to the end that the temple might be built. For before those days there was no wage for man or any wage for animal, or for him who went out or came in there was no peace because of his enemies, and I will set all men one against another. But now I will not treat the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. For there will be peace for the sea, the vine will yield its fruit, the land will yield its produce, and the heavens will give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to inherit all these things. It will come about that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah, and house of Israel, so I will save you that you may become a blessing. Do not fear, let your hands be strong, for thus says the Lord of hosts, just as I purposed to do harm to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says the Lord of hosts, I, and I have not relented. I, so I have again purposed in these days to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. These things which you should do, speak truth to one another, judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Also let no one of you devise evil in your heart against one another, and do not love perjury. For all these things are what I hate, declares the Lord. He's giving some instruction there, isn't he? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came again to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth months will become joy and gladness and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. So love truth and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, It will yet, it will yet be that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. That's what God intended all along. And they gave it up over and over again. And... Uh, And right after that word, God didn't speak for 400 years. And then to fulfill that word, the Messiah came. The true Messiah who already came 2,000 years ago. Jesus our Lord and Savior. The word of God from the beginning made flesh. Um, it wasn't what they were expecting. Um, it wasn't what they were looking for. And some of them are still looking for the, their Messiah to come. Um, and, well, Messiah already came. Um, and all throughout the Old Testament, there's a reality of life, of our frailty, of this is our, our outright stupidity, things that we do that are dumb, and then trying to get out of it when we got caught with our hands on the cookie jar. Um, but God's loving kindness is everlasting. Always has been, always will be. It's an important part of his characteristic, and it's something that he wants us to practice one with another. So, I would encourage you to spend some time in God, with God, and in his loving kindness, and reflecting on his loving kindness in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, even in your own life. And then start to practice that amongst each other. Practice loving kindness with our brother. 
do not devise evil in your heart against one another. And even though there is a lot of evil plans being devised and carried out in our days, we got to make sure that the love of us doesn't turn cold. Because it's going to be really easy in these end times for that to happen. But we got to make sure it doesn't. Let's pray real quick and then we can get on and sing and pour. Father, we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, you are our Lord and our Savior. You're the lover of our souls. You were there from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus, we're so glad that you did, that you lived, that you died, that you rose from the dead, that you ascended to the right hand of the Father, and that you're our advocate. Father, we're your children. Jesus, we're your bride. We're your church. We ask that you would send your Holy Spirit into our lives and to remind us of how everlasting your loving kindness is, Lord. And we ask that you would make us like you in that, Lord. Let your loving kindness become a characteristic of us just like it is a characteristic of you. We're going to need that in these times, Lord. And we can't do that on our own. We can't draw that from within ourselves. It has to come from you. It's not something that's natural for us. It's not going to come from our flesh. It can only come from your spirit. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Pour out your loving kindness through uh, to others through us, Lord. And remind us of your loving kindness. And we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your character. Help us be your people in these times, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us at this. Um, singing and prayer should be starting pretty soon. Uh, God bless you, and remember, his loving kindness is everlasting. Ki olam chesed. Blessings. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on.